Arsenal remain perfect in the Premier League as we recap match days three and four of the Premier League in this week's episode of the Going Going Gooner podcast. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to the, the Going Going Gooner podcast. We ain't apologizing for nothing today. The, the plain and simple truth is that we suck. So clearly, Alvin listened to the episodes. No, he did. I have no doubt. What makes you think more instability is what this club needs right now? Most likely, will make one of the best Netflix documentaries since Firefest. Saliba. Uh, I am so here for it, Arjun. It is just, it is that chant. I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, it's just fantastic. You know what's better than that, though? You know what's the best thing? When that man, William Saliba, scores worldies. That's when it's the best. I mean, that it felt like the chant was just completely improvised, like during the game as well. I'm sure like the our, our away support is is second to none, honestly, I think uh, since the middle since about the middle of last season, you could really see that our away support was absolutely bringing the atmosphere everywhere we went. Um, I remember specifically um, when I was back in London and we were playing at Villa um, I was watching that game just on my phone. I was out and about, and I remember thinking, these away fans, I can't remember the Arsenal away fans being so good. And then we've just carried that momentum into this and um, going away to Bournemouth match day three. Um, obviously, we get a we get lower allocation allocation at Bournemouth because uh, their stadium isn't as big. Um, Vitality Stadium, baby. I think it's like 12K capacity still. Um, so we get lower allocation, but I mean, on the broadcast, you could only hear the Arsenal fans entire yes. game. And we are two Arsenal fans. We weren't at the game, but we are here live. It's episode 66, by the way, of the Going Go Gooner podcast in our June. I mean, that Bournemouth match, we'll start with that. I, it was start to finish. Uh, we were going to win the match. I think that mm-hmm. was kind of, kind of clear. Um, and that man, William Sleeba did score what we would, I would classify as a worldie. Yeah, um, it was uh, it was ridiculous to watch, but we'll recap the match now. And that wasn't the first goal that happened, though. Archie. There were two more that happened before that to probably the MVP of our season so far, if you want to call him that. Yeah, um, Odegaard put his shooting boots on for this game. Um, he got a little bit of criticism against Leicester for for not doing that in our second match of the season. Won that four two, but Odegaard got. A little bit of, of stick from the Arsenal fan base for not for, for not being more decisive. Answered back so quickly, scored five goals, in, uh, sorry, two goals in the first 10 minutes. Uh, first one in the fifth minute, second one in the 11th. And that's what I love about that performance. We, we came out, hit the ground running, two quick goals early on. And all we had to do was control the game, put it to bed. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, I think Bournemouth had 41% possession which in the end is not too bad, honestly, but they had one shot on target. I think in the first, in the first half, we had more goals than they had touches in our box. So it was total domination, total control. We did a stellar job to, to kill off the game instead of letting a Bournemouth team that, that could have been capable of doing it on their home pitch, get back into it, kept a clean sheet, um, outstanding performance. Um, Shout out again to Odegaard. He was awesome against against Bournemouth. And uh, I'll give another shout out to Xhaka as well. He is really coming into his own, 
playing further up the pitch in that left eight role. Um, who else? Martinelli was great. Saka again, not putting in his greatest performances, but well, when we get to the full match, I'll talk a little bit more about Saka. And obviously, one more guy we need to shout out, Saliba. I mean, he was stellar, so good in defense. And the goal he scored on his weak foot, it, it was absolutely incredible. I, so great to see him him so passionate about the club. And I'll get to that when we talk about the Fulham game as well. I mean, he, he wants to be here. Um, he does. Yeah. And Arjun, I would like to argue quickly, and, and this isn't even an argument, it's more just like a, a point to make for fun. I would argue so far through the four and a half-ish match days we've had, he has been the best center back in the Prem this season. I, I would I would throw that out there. I don't think Van Dyke Van Dyke's been horrendous. Um, I wouldn't say Van Dyke has been horrendous. He's not been Van, Van Dyke. Dyke. He's not yes. been Van Dyke. Better, which better is way to say it. Yep. which I would because of how well he's played. Saliba's been at the level that he should be at, yep. and Van Dyke has not been himself. He's made mistakes. He's cost his team goals. Saliba has technically cost us a goal, but it meant nothing. Mm-hmm. So not mad at him. Uh, I'll I'll put it I'll put it that way that I you know what. Saliba has been great and I want to put him up there and he deserves yeah. it. I think, I think genuinely he has been the best center back in the Premier League. So yeah. far this season. it's been, it's been four matches. Yeah. But I mean, outstanding, such mm-hmm. a good player. And, and to say that, to say that he's been the best center back in the Premier League, he scored an own goal and we're still saying this. Yep. Like, like that is how imperious he's been. That's how, like when you talk about defenders like Van Dyke, People make jokes about his aura or whatever, like the calmness that he shows in situations on the ball, off the ball. Saliba's got it. Saliba has that. I've never once seen him panicked. Like um, there's an instance in the Fulham game where I think um, it might've been Deckard Reed was, was peeling off the back of him. Deckard Reed had a lot of space. The ball was coming to him. Saliba just puts an arm out, says to Gabrielle, like, go back to go back to your position. Gabriel slows. I'm sorry. Saliba slows down, catches up to Deckard over Reed, recovers the ball, clears it away. Like it's nothing. And a, a, another instance in the full match, he, he Ronaldo chops Mitrovic and, and pings a 40 yard diagonal to Martinelli on the other end. I might've been Saka when they swap wings, but I mean, that that's just what he delivers. It's 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 the exact profile of center back that that Arteta wants, someone who can ball play as well. Um, he's been everything and more. And I'm so yeah. happy he's here. <laughs> and I mean, he's 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 he has been everything and more. And he I mean he scored a, a worldly worldy, and it was just like a a what moment because it came out of almost nowhere. I mean, it came from a corner that was played over, it was passed back to him, and just from I was just barely inside the box um, from out from like to the right of the D to the right of the keeper. He hits a curler, like going away from the goal into the top corner. It was spectacular to see. Um, And I'll also, I'll also shout out Zinchenko on that goal. His reaction. The best reaction. When it, when it went in, Zinchenko literally fell to his knees, like (laughs) head in hands. He was like, Oh my gosh. Like freaking out, and, and you could like, see you could see all the you could see all the other players too. I mean, they were shocked, and they were they were so happy for him. Went over, everyone celebrated in the corner with him. Uh, just a great moment uh, and, in that game. And that's when we became the worst fans ever because all of a sudden you couldn't go anywhere apparently in London without hearing da 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 Saliba everywhere. 
So, no. you know, he's doing something right if we're chanting his you, name constantly. You couldn't go anywhere in my house without hearing it. No, I mean, I had the video on repeat on my phone all day. My apartment, my work must have hated me for it. Uh, but you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it. And then Arjun, we'll discuss other teams in a second because we got our sort of discuss first. You know, there was another match we played. And after the game, I against Fulham, you mentioned it. I think after the game, Arsenal, like they aren't sponsored by them, but they must have gotten Wendy's because they went four for four. Well, that was the worst now. joke I've ever made in my life, but I was, I needed to make it, and I did. You so. pulled off. C- commit to the bit, Kyle. Commit to the you bit. know what? I four will commit four. to the bit. Arsenal went four for four, and it was deserved four for four. We played Fulham. It was a more difficult match, um, but for the first time in a long time, I felt like where we went a goal down after Mitrovic scored in the 56th minute um, because Gabriel made what I think we can classify as a horrendous mistake. Yep. Um, he just did not know Mitrovic was behind him for whatever reason. Didn't pass the ball out. Mitrovic took the ball off him. And two touches later, scores. And it would have been a pen if not because Gabriel was dragging him down. So either way, it was going to be a goal. Mitrovic scores. But Arsenal are like, you know what? We need to get a goal back now. And then not even 10 minutes later, Odegaard scores. And then the 85th minute, Gabriel makes up for his mistake by scoring from a corner um, after the ball kind of bounces around for a second, he taps it in. So he made up for it in the end. Uh, was it a convincing match? I wouldn't say so. Um, but you know what? We won. And that's what matters. We actually got the job done. I'm, I'm actually, Kyle, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think it was, I think it was a convincing performance. Okay. 72% okay. possession, eight shots on target. Uh, almost almost triple the passes Fulham pulled off. Arsenal were in full control of this game. Complete control. Uh, the Mitrovic goal was definitely a wake-up call. Um, and and Gabriel, I, I, Gabriel's ball playing is stellar. He's a really good line-breaking passer. But on the ball, he looks really shaky sometimes, like dribbling. Um, doesn't look like the most confident guy on the ball. Um, obviously, he's a center back. He's not going to have the same type of the same techers as, as, as Saka and Martinelli do. But it, it, he makes me nervous. And, and it's it sort of that's exactly what happened. I mean, Saka played the ball from his own corner into the middle for Gabriel. It's a risky ball from Saka. We'll say that. But Gabriel had a lot of time. It took three touches for him to get the ball out of his feet. And then by the time he looked up to make a pass, Mitrovic was behind him. Fair play to Mitrovic. I mean, he's that these are the exact type of goals he scores. Like fox in the box type of player. That's exactly what he does. At the at this point for Gabriel, just boot it. Just kick it away. It was poor awareness from him. Um, but the thing is, like you said, it doesn't feel like we go a goal down and win very often. Last season, Kyle, we lose this game one nil. Last season, we lose this game one nil. I would say and we lose game two nil, realistically. And and <laughs> exactly, and that's what's different. As soon as Mitrovic scored, something switched on for us. And, and the crowd got behind the team. And usually when we, when we go a goal down, there's not much urgency until we get maybe to the 75th, 80th minute. And then we start to see a little bit of urgency. It clicked immediately. That's something I haven't seen in this Arsenal team for years. Going a goal down and being urgent to get it right back 
immediately after conceding. It happened against Leicester. We conceded twice, scored immediately after, both times. That is that is the mark of 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 a championship winning team. And and that's why I'm so impressed by this win specifically. Sure, we were in control the whole match. Sure, it's Fulham. Sure, it's at the Emirates. We should win it. But when we faced adversity, we turned it on. We didn't wait to turn it on, and it worked. Like you said, Odegaard scored within 10 minutes. Relentless pressure after that goal. And, and usually when, when, when I'm watching Arsenal and it's, it's in a situation like that, 1-1, maybe 25 minutes left to play, it doesn't feel like a goal is coming. But for the entire time after um, Odegaard scored, the entire time I'm like, we're going to score. I had never felt so confident about three points from a losing position after Odegaard scored in, in so, so long. It, and I think, like, yes, again, it's Fulham. You can't underestimate Fulham. They're, they are a very strong side. Uh, I, I, I do rate Fulham a lot. But just the way we carried ourselves after the goal, that's something you, we haven't seen at Arsenal since, since late Wenger days. It, it's been a long time coming for us. And this team now maturing, getting a bit older, obviously still, I think, the youngest side in the Premier League. But as they learn, as they get better, they're only going to face adversity stronger than we've ever seen it. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's nice to have this team be like, you know what? I'm confident in us and in our squad and in the trust I have in the manager and everything else, because, you know, you're confident when you can bring Rob Holding on and you know, okay, game's over now, like we've won. That Rob Holding is, it's he's a sign that as soon as we go up X amount of goals and we're in the 80th plus minute, Holding comes on for an attacking player and just sits in the middle and just says no. And that's it. And then we bring on Takahiro Tomiyasu. And we bring on Kieran Tierney as subs. Because Tierney's, like, fantastic. And so is Tomiyasu. And we can rotate everybody. And just having that ability to bring all of these players on, defensively at least, it's, it's different. We used to have to bring on Sead Kalasinac. Or we used to have to bring on Gabriel Palista. Uh, no offense to them, but offense to them. Like, it's just, it's just what it is that we now have players that I'm confident we can bring them on and they'll do the job we need them to. And that's what matters. And that's what counts. And if say worse comes to worse, say Ben White had a niggle and he, we kept him out for the start of the match. We had him on the bench. Tomiyasu starts. Okay. Bring Ben White on for five, 10 minutes. Like we can conceivably do that and get away with it. And it's really cool, honestly, to hear and to see that we have subs and we can bring on Enketia and he can make a difference off the bench. And we can bring on these players and say, you know what? We're going for it. And maybe in a couple match days, we can bring on Pedro Neto or bring on someone else off the bench, a winger or a forward or a midfielder. We'll discuss them at a later date, but that ability to just have players and know, okay, after we go up, we're going to shore up the team. And there's not a Mustafi to screw us over. But that feels really yeah. nice. Yeah. And everyone helps on defense. Saka tracks back. Martinelli tracks back. I mean, we used to have to deal with Ozil staying about 20 feet like past the ball and just sitting there drinking a cup of tea because he wouldn't come back on defense. 
But now we don't have to worry about that because we have a legitimate team that cares and actually wants to win matches. And gosh, it feels so good to win matches, Arjun. Fans, I have been getting texts from certain fans that are in the Chelsea fandom. After all, I'll go with this. And they're Chelsea fans that say, wow, is this what it like is like to be like Arsenal for so many years? And Chelsea, we'll discuss them in a second. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Is this what it felt like to be Chelsea when you had a competent team? And they're like, yeah, it is. It feels so nice to have a real competent team, Arjun. It feels so darn good. It really does. And, and just going back to this Fulham match, um, lots of shout outs I, I want to give to our players. So first of all, I'll start with, I'll start with the, the quote unquote bad. I don't think there's a lot bad to take from this match besides Gabrielle's error. <laughs> that, that besides Gabrielle's error. But um, Tierney doesn't look as comfortable um, playing that inverted fullback role. Obviously, that's not his profile. Uh, that's what we got Zinchenko for because, you know, the, Arteta likes when the fullbacks can tuck in um, and, and play sort of alongside the lone pivot. Um, that's not in Tierney's profile. Tierney's profile is to get up the wings. Um, so he looked a little bit out of place. Uh, it's a little concerning, obviously, because I, I think um, about half an hour into the game, Arteta tried employing Tierney as that inverted fullback, but it just wasn't working. Um, Tierney was eventually the first substitute off. Obviously, nursing injury, he's, he still needs to get back to 100% health. Um, but that'll be one to watch uh, as we go on. Now getting to a little better, El Elneny filling in for, for, for number five. Uh, I think El Nenny did a good job. Um, he didn't make many mistakes, but he didn't look outstanding either. So he's not really an adequate replacement, I think. I think he, he'll do the job. He'll do the job, but he doesn't elevate the team. Agreed. But yeah. it doesn't matter if you're hurt. And that's, and that's something we'll discuss in a second. Um, yeah. We'll yeah. Continue. Um, ben White so good at right back he's been so so good out there um getting up the wings as well being involved in attack um and also just just completely holding it down he played a lot of the game on a yellow card um and and still did a great job um Saka looked better uh didn't get he got an assist for for the Odegaard goal Saka looked better was more involved was taking on his man um, we'll only see him get better and better as time goes on. Um, I would have liked to see Emil Smithrow play in this one. I think the Jaka for Smithrow, like it's a like for like swap in this formation. Emil Smithrow goes to the left eight. Jaka gets subbed off. Jaka didn't play a bad game, but when when you're a goal down, when you're tied one all, I, I think Smithrow would have been a fantastic addition to this one. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't play. Obviously we won the match. It doesn't matter. Um, and Ketia, what a cameo. He was so good, Kyle. I'm sure you can agree. He's been he, legitimately great. Yeah. He, he injected life into the team. Um, and, and he's a big part of why when we want to goal down, that substitute changed a lot. Um, single-handedly, he provided energy to, going forward. Uh, he probably should have bagged a goal and, and he, he'll get his goal, but he, he will be happy knowing he affected the game in, in, in more ways than just goals or assists. And obviously man of the match, Martin Odegaard, 
this might have been his best performance in an Arsenal shirt. He was incredible, absolutely everywhere on the pitch. So much vision uh, involved in every single attack. It, it feels like the players want to get him a touch uh, all the time. And he feels like after the goal, after the Fulham goal, he, he took the game by the shoulders and, and rattled a little bit. And, and he was outstanding. And I cannot wait to see him back on the pitch tomorrow. Arjun, imagine not having a Norwegian forward or like an attacker of some kind <laughs> in your team. I mean, we could never, right? Like we yeah, could no, never imagine absolutely that. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. Everything you said is spot on. And I mean, shout out to Burton Leno. I mean, he was the reason they stayed in the match for him when we started For so scoring, long, yeah. Because yeah. he, he made some pretty strong saves, um, which, I mean... We have a lot of ex-keepers in the Prem, don't we? I mean, Fabianski, Leno, uh, Martinez. I mean, we're kind of building up a hit list of Arsenal yeah. ex-goalkeepers that are waiting to plot against our revenge, aren't they? Yeah, and wow. and I, I'm just just generally shout out to Leno. I mean, the way he carried himself during being benched for Ramsdale. Never complained, never said anything. Um, left the club on his own terms, going to Fulham. Put in a good performance against us. I, I think the second, the Gabrielle goal, I think a lot of that was on Leno. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was a goalkeeping error uh, that led led to that goal. Um, but regardless, he put in a good performance until literally the last five minutes of the game. He, yeah. he was good. He kept us in it. it it's so predictable. Pardon me. So predictable that he was so good. Um, it would have been even more predictable if he somehow kept a clean sheet and they won. Um, because he was that good, but the goals came off of a deflection, which Leno couldn't do much about, and his own goalkeeping error. So he he did get unlucky in the end. Yes, um, but our and, uh, again, shout out on the Fulham side bef before you go. Shout out to Anthony Robinson at left back. He did a really good job on Saka. He did a really really good job out there, big time. Um, and Arjun, we had to discuss the rest of the matches though, because our Arsenal weren't the only team to play uh, these last two weekends uh, and weekdays as well. Um, but going through um, the matches, the Saturday matches, we're going to skip past a bunch of these. I want to make one note real quick on the Saturday match um, of the king, the legend himself, Armel Bella Kochap. Uh, we'll discuss him in a little bit. Uh, the Southampton center back who was recently signed, Kochap, has just been fantastic. But we'll discuss him in a little bit. Uh, the matches that have mattered in terms of what happened on match day three. There was a big one. Sunday was a very fun day for all neutrals to watch because Brighton beat West Ham 2-0, which was a fun one to see. Uh, Newcastle and Man City drew 3-3. Uh, we'll discuss that in depth in a second, as well as, you know, Leeds United, uh, America FC, as they're called, uh, won 3-0 uh, against Chelsea. And I, it was just wondrous. And it was at Ellen Road. It was beautiful to watch. Uh, and on top of that, in terms of match day three, RG, the day, the next day, United, from the depths of whatever spot they found themselves in, beat Liverpool 2-1. So a lot happened in yeah. the span of Sunday and Monday on this match day. But starting off with, we'll start with Newcastle City, the match that ended up being the quote-unquote least like consequential one because City got a point out of it. Um, just starting there, I mean... Newcastle came out firing. Uh, Gundogan scored for City in the fifth minute, and then it was just Newcastle scoring 
just ridiculousness. And then Trippier with a free kick. I mean, just it all happened. It all just came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was Almiron and then Wilson and Trippier. And then all of a sudden they were up 3-1. Going going to St. James's Park is probably one of the hardest away days in the Premier League by a lot. Um, obviously, City were able to manage the comeback because uh, you can never count City out of a game just because of how much depth they have. Holland bagged a goal in the 61st. Bernardo Silva scored in the 64th. I wasn't able to catch the second half of this game, which kind of sucked because that was really when most everything happened. Um, but in watching it back, I mean... A city, a city did what City do. You know, they, they went down like they did last week against Palace. We'll, we'll get to that as well. And then they just took control of the game, did what they had to do, couldn't get all three points, which was big for us um, because we're now in a title race, right, with City. Yeah. So, so <laughs> don't get so we have to, them, we don't have to get ahead of ourselves, but so, my gosh, so, we're in the title race. So them, So them dropping any points is good. Yeah, uh, but that was that was a really entertaining match. It was e- even if it wasn't three three. I mean, it was just a great back and forth game. Newcastle are a really really solid side. Um, it was a really fun match to watch in that first half. They yeah. were going back and forth. It was a really open game as well. Um, uh, the man of the yeah. match though for Newcastle, just real quick. I mean, Alan said Maximin. That first half, he he made it his own. He had the first. He had the two assists in the first half. Um, he also, I believe won the free kick Trippier a scored. Um, I could be mistaken on that. So don't quote me. Uh, but he was fantastic. And the reason Newcastle, the reason city got back into it off of Newcastle was because they ran out of steam. They were just exhausted comes the yeah. 60th minute. It was because yeah. they were going at it and then city just endlessly pound you. And I mean, we'll discuss them in a second. You mentioned to Marilyn Holland. I mean, I discussed them enough on this podcast going into last year, like end of last season, but that was when he wasn't in the prem and I was in the prem. So now everyone gets to see why I talked about him so highly. Um, Cause you know, he's basically the Terminator, but yeah. six, five Norwegian with beautiful, beautiful hair. Um, and he, he scored Rona Silva scored. It was in, off of a Kevin De Bruyne, just beautiful assist. I mean, Kevin KDB was hurt most of a bunch of last season, but he was still was one of the two best players in the Prem with Mo Salah. He's back healthy. This is, he's different. He's just built different. He's different yeah. gravy. I don't know how else to put it. Um, yeah. It was just one of those matches where you're like, yep, that happened. Um, but Arjun, that happened. We also had another match on that Sunday, the Leeds three nil. Uh, I, I would call it a drubbing of Chelsea. Uh, our, our Lord and savior, Brendan Aronson scored a goal. Rodrigo scored a goal and then Jack Harrison scored for Leeds as well. Um, and it, it honestly could have been more for Leeds. And my word, is it fun to watch uh, Chelsea lose like that? And, and I mean, the, the first goal, Aronson, um, it was off of a Mendy mistake. Obviously, Jesse Marsh loves that high press. Aronson, such an energetic player. He's probably going to be one of the U.S. men's national team's most important players at, at the World Cup this winter. Um, that sort of really set the tone. Uh, it was, I think around the 30th minute when Aronson did that 30, 30 up. So that goal, I mean, with, with Mendy getting caught out, Chelsea were rattled, completely rattled. Uh, Koulibaly went off in the 84th minute, got sent off. Uh, it really, a really bad look for Chelsea. 
to, to not even score in that one as well. Because Leeds, Leeds are a good side, but, but Chelsea should realistically be winning a match like that. Um, and Chelsea just don't look up for it right now, I think. And, and we'll get to it. Chelsea played today against Southampton when we're recording this. Uh, I mean, they, they impressed a little bit the next week against Leicester, but Leicester look awful. They looked awful in that game. Chelsea were a man down and managed to win. Uh, so it, it's Chelsea's a little bit of enigma because they they have players coming in. They'll have Fafana coming in. Um, I, I think they're still shopping for an attacker, Zaha, Aubameyang, whoever it is. Uh, but there really isn't that X factor at Chelsea right now. And no, that, and that's not. And that's what we said like before the season started. I mean, your your front three is Havertz, Sterling, Mount, maybe. I guess. I, I mean. The Sterling is a great player. Mount is a great player. Havertz is a great player, but they're not really playing to their strengths. Um, I think Sterling is a little bit more than, than the Sterling's, other two. Yeah, Sterling's, Sterling's playing. Sterling's playing more to his strengths than the other two, but but Havertz has no end product right now. Uh, looks completely out of games. Um, Pulisic can't get a minute at the moment. Um, he's not allowed to go on loan either. So, um, and he hasn't exactly been great for Chelsea either. So uh, we'll have to evaluate uh, in the coming match weeks about Chelsea and, 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 and where they're going from here because Tuchel ball isn't working right now and, and it doesn't yeah. look great either. It's not, I mean, like it, it doesn't need to be fun to watch, but it's just, it's really, it's dreadful and they're not winning much. No. And I mean, Tuchel ball apparently is going to be playing 10 center backs as well. Um, because for whatever reason, they're about to sign Wesley Fofana. It's kind of been signed, sealed, delivered. And they're also apparently about to pay 90 million euros for Joseph Gvaridol, uh, or Gvaridol, I forget what his last name spelling is, from Gvardiol. RB Leipzig. Yep. Uh, and he apparently won't come until 2023. So that means they will have spent somewhere around 200 plus million on the defense um, when that's not their problem. It hasn't been their problem. Yes, they lost some center backs, but like, huh? You need an attacker. We all know that. It's very well known, but you don't sign one. That's ridiculous, but that's a later discussion to have. Yeah, and I um, think I think we'll have to see how the last two windows, two days of the window play out because Chelsea are still making moves. If Aubameyang ends up going to Chelsea, that'll be a whole other discussion. Um, because I don't think he's much of an upgrade on Havertz anyways. Uh, so again, this is a recurring theme we've had in the last couple weeks. Chelsea don't really look like they have a direction on the pitch or in recruiting. And, and this is showing it. I mean, they, they're, they're in for Aubameyang and Zaha, who could not be more of a different profile at the moment. Um, maybe five years ago, Aubameyang and Zaha had similar profiles. Obviously, Aubameyang can come off of the wing. Zaha excels off the wing um, and also up top. But Aubameyang doesn't really have... I think when Aubameyang played on the wing for us, it could have gone much better. But, you know, Lacazette was our end product at the time. Uh, so I think Aubameyang does get a, a lot of criticism for how he ended at Arsenal, but he was essentially playing out of position. But when he went to Barcelona, they started playing him up top, bagged a couple goals, and then since then just hasn't really done much. So 
them paying possibly what is it like 30 million dollars when yes yeah, so it's gonna be a, apparently 30 35 like like people are roasting edu and arteta for for letting obamiang go for free when they should be roasting chelsea for paying for obamiang because that is a ridiculous fee to pay to pay for a 33 year old striker whose last six months in the prem yielded little to no end product yeah in our june we have a lot of of transfer i guess just like notes to discuss from this window because it's it's been crazy to say the least uh for anyone who's wondering the past essentially week there in two weeks that we've been off um a lot's happened a lot of ridiculous moves have happened a lot of head scratching moves have happened um i'm the latest of this it's not really influential to us but it's interesting is that justin cliver was just denied a move to fulham because of his work permit getting stopped um because he was apparently going to go to fulham you have Fabrizio yeah. Romano tweet notifications. Uh, on I have David Ornstein also on. Oh, okay. Um, but he was, was that Orny? Oh, it was Orny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was denied a transfer due to uh, his permit being refused because he has not featured enough on loan for AS Roma recently. Uh, so he's not going to be transferring to Fulham on a loan. That's just one of those moves you're like, huh? Fulham are trying to sign a 23-year-old winger who's really promising? Yeah. 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 It, it's kind of wild where we're at right now in the Prem. Um, but we'll discuss transfers at a later date in a transfer special because a lot's happening tomorrow when the episode comes out or technically today when the episode comes out. It's also the transfer windows days shut. So it's going to be a long day, Arjun, uh, the day this episode comes out. But we'll discuss transfers later. There's one more match on match day three we got to mention. Uh, the team that we said was in the mud, we were laughing at, Man United, they did it. I don't know how they did it, but they beat Liverpool Two to one. I honestly don't know what to say. I don't know how this happened. I was racking my head around it. I still don't have an answer. I know. Uh, no, I, I know what to say. Liverpool were terrible. I mean, Liverpool, yeah. Completely flat. Um, they the came f- out just, they just did not look up for it at all. No, and, in our June. And, and United, they, yeah. they were, they were having their, uh, their Glazers out walkout. Um, during during this time, Jaden Sancho scored in the 16th minute, and there was no more walkout. Um, Jaden Sancho struck first. Van Dyke um, got arrested on the pitch. Uh, hands behind his back, handcuffed. Stood there, didn't close down Sancho. Um, I'll, I'll further my agenda here too. Trent just stood in the box, didn't close down anyone either. Uh, Sancho had acres of space oodles of time in the box passed it past Allison. good word oodles good thank word. you and 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 rashford um found himself on the break put it past allison uh united looked better uh i don't think this is a sign of their season to come i think there was a lot of emotion involved in this one obviously liverpool and man united probably each other's biggest rivals um if you're not counting Merseyside Derby, Manchester Derby, I think United and Liverpool are each other's biggest rivals. I, I will say that. Yeah, I um, agree. Um, but this this game, Liverpool looked completely flat. I was concerned for Liverpool, frankly, after this game because they looked genuinely terrible. Um, but I think that's a good segue into match day four when yes. Liverpool showed they're completely fine. Yes, and before, just quickly before we touch on them, I want to go through the rest of the matches. United also won again against Southampton. 
Um, we have a player we'll discuss there. Uh, City beat Palace 4 2. We'll discuss them after Liverpool. Uh, not much else really of note happened. Um, yeah, I already I already mentioned yeah. Chelsea versus Leicester. Connor Gallagher got sent off for a really stupid tackle. He was on a yeah. yellow, on a yellow already in about the 30th minute, I believe, 35th minute, and and just lunges in, stops a counter. That's going to get you a second yellow every time. But it was nil nil when that when that happened, and and I, I Sterling managed to score a nice goal, and then scored again. Harvey Barnes got one back for Leicester, and then Chelsea managed to hold on. Um, again, Leicester are bottom of the table right now. They look terrible. Yeah. Um, so that I think is the only other one to, to touch on. Yeah. And Arjun, let's, let's, let's just go with though. Let's go to the, the drubbing, um, that was Liverpool Bournemouth, which led to a firing. Um, we'll touch on the firing afterwards, but, I mean, the first place to start is um, with Darwin Nunez out due to suspension. Uh, none other than your favorite player in the world, Bobby Firmino, Don't chat had, a, Kyle. had a <laughs> 9.8 who scored rating. 9.8 out of 10. Yeah, two, That is a near-perfect performance yeah, for Bobby two Firmino. Goals, two goals and three assists. Um, all I can say is he's found his level. Good performance against Bournemouth at home, Roberto Firmino. You know what? We can't say anything. <laughs> we only beat them 3 0. We can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. But, but I this... mean, Luis, Luis Diaz scored in the third minute. Harvey Elliott scored an absolute banger in the sixth. Trent scored a, an, a, an even better goal in the 28th. Um, and, and by this time, it's already 3 0. And then Liverpool just continue piling it on. Um, Firmino got the fourth. Van Dyke got the fifth. Mepham had an own goal. Then Firmino, the seventh, Fabio Carvalho had a nice little volley. And then Diaz in the eighth minute finished it off. And honestly, I this this I kind of felt bad for Mark Travers. I honestly don't know what he could have done differently in this match. I truly don't believe he may have been able to save one of these, but <laughs> he just legitimately, there was nothing he could do. Yeah, that, there was that, no different. That, he could not that Trent, that Trent goal. I mean, I, I've I've got a Trent can't defend agenda, but on the ball, he's something different, and and his his technique is gorgeous. But if that's watch, literally what Trent is. He is yeah. a walking. What do I do? Because yeah. going forward, he's the best in the world. But going backwards, I think I'm, he's. Uh. <laughs> I don't think it's Trent. Like I, I say, Trent can't defend as an exaggeration. Like I think there are better right backs at defending. I think Reese James is a more complete player than Trent is. Um, but on the ball, he's something different. And and like I was saying, his his technique is gorgeous. If you watch back the goal, um, just it, it's like poetry in motion. His 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 shooting technique from way out. His free kick technique. It's lovely to watch. I, I love watching Trent play, honestly. Like as, as much as I'll roast him for 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 when he makes a mistake, I genuinely love watching him play. I would love to watch Trent in the Pep Guardiola system. I wonder what that would be like. I, I try sometimes wonder, but also I think no, no, let's not do that. Let's not Trent, think about that. Trent right now. Trent as an inverted fullback would be incredible. Yeah. He's got the he's got the profile for it. Imagine him and Joao Cancelo on opposite wings. Him at right backs and Cancelo at left back. God. That that like we discuss elite teams. That may be the best you could get. That truly would be ridiculous because it'd be the perfect system. 
for Trent. Yeah, uh, it would. It just it wouldn't be fair at that point. Um, he, it already isn't would, fair. But he would he would have to be like a hybrid sort of inverted fullback because he can't like solely tuck inside because where he excels is on the wing as well. Um, but when you needed him to, he could go into that center mid position, ping passes around, hold down the defense next to Fabinho if he needed to. Um, and if he was in city or our system next to Rodri, next to one of our defensive midfielders, like, uh, he's not being wasted at Liverpool. That's not what I'm saying. He's not, that's not at all what's happening, but it would be cool to see how he would adjust first of all, without Virgil van Dyke next to him. And second of all, in a different footballing system. Yeah. And I mean that Arjun, we won't discuss the rest of this match cause it would just, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but this led to the firing of Bournemouth manager Scott Parker. Bournemouth, four matches in, uh, they beat Villa in the first weekend 2-0. They then had to play City, us, and Liverpool. They lost those three matches by a combined score of 16 to nothing, which notably, not good. Pretty bad. Um, pretty bad. But I, I can't blame him. I mean, let's look at the transfers just real quick in terms of who they've brought in. It's essentially nobody is what I would classify it as. They brought in Ryan Fredericks, I believe, on a free. Joe Rothwell on a free. Marcus Tavernier from Middlesbrough for $13 million. Neto in goal from Barca on a free. And then Marco Sensi for $17 million from Feyenoord as a center back. That's it. Yeah, he's basically gotten if you look at Bournemouth compared to, let's say, Nottingham Forest in terms of support systems, Nottingham have signed essentially a full new squad plus a full new bench. Like I'm fairly confident they've done that already. Yeah. Bournemouth have signed what feels like nothing. Mm-hmm. That's that's truly what it feels like is that they said, you know what, we're going to run it back with the same squad we have. I see no issues with that. But the problem is there's a major issue with that. They're yeah. not good enough to do that. I've, I've got never a, been good enough to do that. I've got a lot of thoughts about the sacking. Um, first of all, um, saying it's because of the 9-0 and saying like comparing it to it being done to Hasenhudel twice. Hasenhudel is number one, a better manager than Scott, Scott Parker by a lot. Um, what he's done with Southampton has been good. Has it exceeded expectations? No, but I think Hasenhudel is a good manager. Um, Scott Parker, again, I'm going to say I, he's, I don't think he's a good manager. Like, like from, being, from being in London, from going to Fulham matches, they hate Scott Parker from, from, when, he used to, from when he used to manage at Fulham. And, and he didn't do a great job with Fulham either when, when they were up in the Prem, went straight back down. Marco Silva already doing a better job than, than, than Parker has. No, but Arjun. Listen, 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 yeah. listen. I, I'm, 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 I'm getting there. Uh, he didn't get sacked for the results because he had to play city arsenal and Liverpool three times in a row. He got sacked because he was pressuring the board. Uh, he, he's said many times in post-match interviews that he needs more players in the board aren't backing him. So the board sacked him. That's, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Uh, I woke up this morning, not expecting to see the notification that Scott Parker got sacked. I was very, very surprised. Um, but after looking into it, I mean, Bournemouth haven't done much. There's two days left in the window. Their squad is not near enough to, to make it out of the relegation zone, considering how much parity there's been already so far. I mean, the teams that have looked really bad 
I think the only two teams that have genuinely looked really bad are Bournemouth and Villa. And, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll add in, I'll add in Leicester um, because Everton haven't looked terrible. Um, but uh, like, like I'm, like I was saying, I thought uh, Lampard would be the first manager to get sacked. Um, Parker was definitely up there. Gerard is 100% on the chopping block. Brennan Rogers, we could see him out soon too. So I think those four teams have really been the ones that have genuinely performed very poorly, underperforming, I guess. Um, but Bournemouth losing three games by combined 16 to nil against probably three best teams in the Premier League right now. I mean, it's not enough to warrant a sacking, but when you when you add on um, the pressure he was putting on the board, he he was going to go and he shouldn't. Yeah. It's an awful decision. Bournemouth are done. I think they're done. I think they're not going to really put up a challenge. Sacking someone, sacking a manager that just got you into the Premier League after four match days is absurd. absurd. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's a, there's a reason we put them, I believe, both of us put them bottom of the league. Yeah. I think you had them either bottom or 19th. I had them. I had them. You had them I had bottom. Them I had them 19th. I have over Southampton that already looks like a screw up on my part. Um, <laughs> I'll discuss Southampton in a second, but yeah, no, I mean, he didn't deserve it, but it was just going to happen. I mean, their squad is just a, it's a championship squad. Yeah. It's not good enough for the Prem. They haven't yeah. spent enough to stay in the Prem. They don't deserve to be in the Prem. I mean, yeah, they beat Villa. Cool. Fantastic. But I, their squad is just weird. It's a weird mix of players. I mean, Dominic Solanke is not a prem player that we've known that for a while, but he's on their squad. I, I love the guy. Jefferson Lerma's decent, maybe, but I, you've you've got a, a mixed bag. It, it's a it's a championship team. Yeah, that's for, what it for, is. I mean, like the to stay in the Premier League these days, you've got to spend. And, and there's a reason they call the championship playoff final the most expensive game in the world because you get a lot of money for winning it. Forrest spent a lot of money after winning it. Yeah, you don't got to spend like Forrest, but you've got to spend something. And, and Fulham, Fulham, Fulham have done a great job. Their, their squad was very evidently better than championship quality. They won the league pretty comfortably, and they've improved it. They've brought in some good pieces to make their side better. Leno being one of them, Paulinho being another one, uh, Andreas Pereira as well. They've they've started building a Premier League side. Forest have started building a side that's going to challenge for top six if they feel like it. Like I don't understand. Well, and then their whole they have to they have to have their own episode of this. Like <laughs> they 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 truly need their own full like hour long breakdown to figure out what is happening with them. I would I would love to watch all or nothing. Nottingham Forest from this offseason. Obviously, we're not going to get it, but I mean, they've brought in legitimately a full new squad. I I don't understand it. They have like they're 10 deep at each position, it feels like. I'm just scrolling through and I don't understand how they've done this. Like, what? They brought in players that you're questioning why they're at Nottingham Forest. I mean, that's what we're at. Exactly. That's a that's a part of our transfer discussion we'll have because that's a that's an interesting note there um, on pl- teams like Nottingham spending Boku loads of money on players like Renan Lodi um, and Re- Remo Froiler and everybody else like that. But it's a whole discussion to have a different day. 
but it's just, yeah, he didn't deserve the sacking, but I don't think he would have survived the season. I mean, they weren't going to survive. We all knew that heading into the season. It was quite clear. They just didn't have the squad. Um, and it's, it's very apparent now they don't have the squad. They don't have the, the anything to stay up in the prem. Um, but a team that apparently does, Arjun, heading into the most recent match day, which was today, technically, match day five. Um, we play the day that this episode comes out. We'll discuss that in a second. But Arjun, Chelsea again lost. They, they lost. They lost to Southampton 2-1. Uh, Raheem Sterling had the first goal in 23rd minute, and you're like, okay, cool. They're going to go on and win the game just because of Chelsea, whatever. No, it's not what happened. Uh, Romeo Lavia scored in the 28th minute for Southampton with a beautiful strike, and then Adam Armstrong in stoppage time in the first half scored, and that was it. That's all she wrote yeah. at that point. And, and, and I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea, again, they had an entire second half to claw back. Couldn't do it. And no. I, I didn't, I didn't catch this game. I was in class, um, but I did catch the Armstrong goal really well worked by Southampton. They, I mean, Chelsea looked completely turned around when, when the ball came out to the wing, you could see exactly what was going through Armstrong's head. Wait for the cutback. You saw three Chelsea defenders commit to the six yard line um, to stop the cross Armstrong presence of mind hung back. No one was marking him. He was wide open. Um, just a just a lapse from Chelsea in that moment. You didn't need to have all three players charging to stop the the cross across the face of goal. Cutback worked perfectly. Um, Armstrong had the presence of mind to to wait for the cutback. The Chelsea defenders didn't have the presence of mind to defend it. And and again, second half they couldn't score. Sixty eight percent possession for Chelsea. Obviously, they're going to control a game with with the style of play that Tuchel has. But 10 shots, four shots on target. I'm just going to find the XG really quick. Um, it wasn't fantastic, I don't believe. Um, but either way, just real quick while you find that stat, I want to give a shout-out to Armel Belakochap. I mentioned it earlier, but he's been stellar since he came to the Prem. Um, he came from Germany. He's 20 years old. He's going to be signed by a big club next season I, for a good chunk of change. He was signed for, I believe, $10 million from Union Berlin. He's going for triple that, at the least. If we're seeing Guardiol sign for 90 and Fafana for 80-some-odd, and we saw what McGuire's price was when he was at Leicester to the United, it's it's going to be in the 30-plus range. I, If he continues this, it might honestly be more. That wouldn't shock me. Um, he's been fantastic. Um, anyone who's known about him has known this. I mean – it's he's just really good. He's really darn good at what he does. He's a great defender. He's sound on the ball. He's obviously, I'm not comparing him to him, but he feels like Saliba where he's young and he's got a good presence about him. And he just is, he knows what he's doing. He just, he's got, it. he's got the, he's got the cojones, whatever you want to say. He's got him in. him. So he's a good yeah. center back. He'll be at a new club come. Uh, what is it? August of next year. He'll be signed by somebody else. That's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. That if they get relegated, he's going to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if they don't sure. get relegated, he'll be somewhere else anyway. Even if it's a Bayern, someone's going to come for him. That's just happening. Yeah. And so Southampton did beat Chelsea on XG 1.45 to 1.34. 
a lot of Chelsea fans are really frustrated with, with how Tuchel is, is conducting his football. Uh, the 3-5-2, obviously, when you've got uh, James and Chilwell or James and Kukurea on the wings, um, it's going to be difficult. Uh, James is obviously really proficient going forward. He's great at it. But what this Chelsea team needs is an attack. And what Tuchel is investing in is defense right now. I mean, and how much Havertz, was Kukurea for, real quick? A Kukurea backup left 60? back, I think 60, 50, 60 million pounds. So he was, there. let's say, let's say, I believe he was like, yeah, 60. So if he was 60, and then you look at uh, Kulabali, who was, I believe, was 40 some odd for him. Yeah. So it says 40 for him, 60 for Kukurea. And, and they, 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 they needed, they needed Kulabali. That yeah. is a good signing. They oh, needed yeah. Kulabali for, so, for sure. A hundred right there and those two players. And then Vardiol for 90 and Fafana also for 90. That's what 280 million for a back line. And when you the only thing you need right now is a striker, like you have nobody who could play striker. Sterling's scoring goals, but mm-hmm. he's not a striker. That's not what he does. Yeah. At some point, not having a legitimate striker is going to come back and bite you in the butt. And it's it's already apparent that it's going to. I mean, they needed somebody. They needed any striker. If they needed Alexander Mitrovic in this match, and they would have won quite simply. But they don't have it. They don't have anybody there. Havertz, for some reason, can't find the back of the broadside. Hit, hit the broadside of a freaking barn. Yes, I said freaking, not the other word. Don't you worry, listeners out there. <laughs> we don't swear on this podcast. It's just... It's sad. It's it's sad. I don't get it. You can't play Azpilicueta as a striker. That's not going to work. But that's what he's apparently going to try and do because you've got about 10 billion center backs. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I really don't. We, again, we, yeah. <laughs> two two days left in the window, day and a half technically. Actually, one day because it's midnight mm-hmm. in the UK already. So so there's one one day left in the window. We'll see what Chelsea can cook up in in the next 24 hours but i mean there's there's not there's not much that can that can turn things around very quickly i think we both saw this coming i don't know if we saw it coming so quickly um that chelsea wouldn't be putting in the results um against sides like leeds and southampton obviously got a draw against tottenham that's a game they should have won um they dominated tottenham um they were quite frankly a little bit robbed of that game as well so they'll be feeling a little bit hard done by but I mean, losing losing to Leeds and Southampton in the fashion they did, it's a little bit inconsistent because they they did a good job against Leicester. They they impressed to win from from a man down, but again, Leicester is a side they should be beating, uh, regardless. So it, it's a waiting game with Chelsea. I think w- with United, it was very it was a lot more apparent that there were a lot more issues there than just on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, here at Chelsea, obviously with Abramovich selling, there's still a lot of off the pitch issues, but it seems like they were a bit more insulated from that because Bowley came in and started spending. Um, but again, recruiting has been aimless. The on pitch product has been not great. So I'm not complaining, but it's, it's, it's something that we'll, we'll have to watch out for because right now through five games, severely. Oh yeah, no, they are, and I mean they need a striker, but Arjun, a squad that has a striker now, finally, 
since the, 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 I believe I would, I would call it a sacking of Sergio Aguero. He was just, he was thrown out essentially. Um, I know it's a bit harsh, but that's, it's the feeling of it. It was like, uh, what's happening here. Um, that's Man City. And they have a striker who we discussed a little bit called Erling Holland, um, who in the, the last match they played in the 4-2 come from behind victory over Palace for City. He had a hat trick. Was it a pretty hat trick? No. But you know what it was, Arjun? It was a hat trick from a striker. And he scored the goals that he needed to score. This is what City have needed for years. They need a striker to score these kind of goals. He would just be where he needs to be, and that's it. That's the end of the story. You're behind, put the ball here, and he'll be there. And that's exactly what happened. It was an ugly three goals, but he did what he had to do, and that's what matters. And, hey, for anyone who said Holland wouldn't be good, I just want to laugh in your face. I I legitimately want to laugh. He has six goals in the Prem already this season. Six. Six through four matches. Think about that for a second. This... For, for him to, to, to come into a difficult system like City, first of all, and to a difficult league like the Premier League, and, and put in performances like he's been putting in, finding himself in the positions he's been in, um, it feels like he transcends a system. He does. First of all. That's what, that's uh, what we all said. No one listened. Because, because I did think he may take a little bit of time to adjust, um, but I'm not surprised at all that he's hit the ground running. Obviously, I have him as winning my golden boot. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if he broke the goal record. Arjun, do you know how many matches in the Prem? Just curious. It's 38, right? 38. He's, he's currently on pace for 57 goals. Yeah. 57. Well, I mean, he's obviously we can't judge off first four games, but doesn't matter. 57 goals. It, do, it, it doesn't matter when, when it's Kyle talking about Holland. So he's fair it enough. Doesn't, you, like, you can see how he plays. <laughs> You yeah. can give him nothing and he'll score a goal. He'll just be there for a tap in and he'll score the goals. We've barely seen him and De Bruyne link up really well yet. Just think. Think when that first through ball comes from KDB to him. Just think when that's going to happen. It's going to break everybody. Because KDB is the best midfielder in the world. And Holland is one of the, if not the best striker in the world. That's just not fair. It's not- you, know what I'm, you know what I'm really excited for? Holland v Saliba. I'm not. <laughs> you might I'm, be. You don't speak for both of us. Okay, fine. I'm I'm really excited for Holland v Saliba because obviously I'm rooting for Holland's success. I want him to be really good in the Premier League, but there would be nothing better than seeing Saliba pocket him. Um oh there wouldn't be, but the problem is he's six foot five. It's a lot to pocket. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. I mean, Saliba, he's up for it, pocketed Mbappe last year. Uh, at PSG, Mbappe's um, a fake. For, he's a fake player. It doesn't matter. He's, he's bad. When he was when he was playing for Marseille, but that's going to be one to watch. Obviously, when when Holland goes up against a guy like Van Dyke, we'll have to see how that goes. When Holland goes up against uh, Romero, Maguire, and Martinez, that'll be fun. Yeah, Romero um, might be interesting. Also, shout it's... out, shout out, shout out, Lisandro Martinez. He's been, he has genuinely been really good in the last two games against Southampton and against Liverpool. He was really good. Um, Maguire sort of been binned a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Varane made his way into the team. 
Oh no, who's shocked by that? <laughs> didn't didn't Varon? I mean, Varon isn't the player he used to be, obviously. That's why United got him. Um, better than Maguire. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it is better than Maguire. And he Varane, also has he has he knows how to play with Casemiro. That's got to help a little bit. Like he's got his teammate now. They know how to play together. That's nice. It helps. Chemistry is nice. Yeah, and it's, and United, United. I mean, well, I still want to see how Casemiro fits into the system. He did make a cameo against Southampton, but that's really not indicative of how Ten Hag will use him. Uh, I think we, I don't know if we touched on this, but I think, I mean, if I'm really interested to see how uh, Ten Hag uses Casemiro, because right now, if it's in a double pivot with Fred, um, it could work. Fred, I don't think is an awful player, but right now the pivot against Southampton was Erickson and McTominay. Like that's not where Erickson should be playing. McTominay shouldn't touch the pitch. So I mean, Casemiro is obviously a huge upgrade, but I don't know. I don't think Ten Hag likes to play the lone pivot um, because that I think that's where Casemiro would shine, but that would have to involve a huge system change from Ten Hag, and that's not easy. So, uh, again, that's that's one thing I'll, we'll, we'll have to watch when Casemiro gets in because right now, if you compare midfields in the Premier League, Who's got a better midfield than Arsenal right now? Just City? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would I'd I, probably I say so. Just City. <laughs> but I mean, but I, I, well, this is a good time to talk about it too, because Arsenal's midfield has hit a little bit of a roadblock with injury. Um, we were going to touch on this, but now that we're circling back, you know, El Neni is sustaining an injury against Fulham. Uh, not sure how long it was reported like quote unquote long-term, but the scans aren't back yet. We don't know. And number five is out for, uh, two to three weeks. So we'll have to see how that goes. Obviously we need a replacement in midfield because like he's the hardest player to replace in our team. Yeah. He plays the biggest role in our team. Um, I, in my opinion, I think he's, a world-class footballer and he's the hardest player in our team to replace. I agree. So like, what, well, like how we said with El Nenny, he didn't play poorly, but he didn't elevate the team. He didn't elevate the midfield. He didn't elevate the attack. Um, so El Nenny is out for tomorrow's match against Villa. We're expecting Sambi to get the start. Sambi Lakonga in the lone pivot. So Obviously, I, I was interested to see how Jaka would play um, with El Nenny, but Jaka retained that left eight position. Arteta left El Nenny at the lone pivot to, to do it on his own. Jaka would come back, drop, drop back deep, but that's what he was doing generally against, against Leicester and Bournemouth. He was still making the forward runs. He was still finding himself in advanced positions. It was definitely not a double pivot. So that what was, that's what was really interesting to me is that Arteta had the confidence in, in El Nenny to do that. We'll have to see if he has the same confidence in Sambi to do that um, because we've got a match against Villa tomorrow and then a match against United on Sunday. So there's going to have to be some squad rotation. We're going to see some new faces this week. We'll hopefully see Emil Smith-Rowe. We'll hopefully see Fabio Vieira's debut. That's what I'm hoping. Um, but again, with the rotation, we don't have a backup right winger for Saka because Pepe's gone. 
So one more day in the transfer window. We'll see if we bring someone in. We'll see if Fabio Vieira will play out on that right side um, or if he was employed to play at the left eight or the right eight. So there's a lot of rotation involved. There's a, that's, that's what the last two summers have been about in, 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 in the transfer window. So I think next, the next two games for Arsenal will be really interesting lineup wise. Um, so if we're ready to pivot there, I'm, I'm ready to, to, to start previewing. Let's do it. I mean, we'll preview. We're only going to do one match today as we are going to be filming before our match against United um, in a few days. So Arjun, we got to preview it. The next match against Villa, it's going to be the day this episode comes out at 2.30 p.m., mid-transfer window. I mean, this is going to be a wacky day for us because mm-hmm. we could sign wingers, we could sign midfielders, we could sign anybody. Who knows? Bellerin could be sold. Uh, it's a lot could happen in a very short span of time. And we're playing Villa. And just quick note on Villa, just to give you all an idea, um, they've started out weird this season. That's how I'll put it. Um, they lost to Bournemouth. They beat Everton. They lost to Palace. They lost to West Ham. So it's been a, a funky season, to say the least, for them so far. Um, I mean, losing to Bournemouth 2-0 is their only uh, win so far for Bournemouth, and that's interesting. <laughs> but we're not going to discuss that right now. So it's 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 interesting match. It's an interesting match coming up. It's at the Emirates. Uh, we are home for it, so I think we'll get up for this match. I think that's a given. Um, but let's go through squad. What do you think the squad looks like? Do you think it is the same rotation with Lokonga in the midfield? Do we think Tierney starts at left back if Sinchenko comes off the bench instead, if he still is a little bit worried that he might be hurt, Arteta? What do we think? Yeah. Because obviously, so- just before we that, it's going to be Ramsdale. It's going to be Saliba. It's going to be Gabriel. It's going to be Jesus and Odegaard. I think Martinelli's going to start. Jaka's going to start. It's basically the left back. Does White play at right back or does he rotate? Uh, Saka, we just, just mentioned, and then that CDM spot. I think what's going to happen is we're going to play our best 11 against United on Sunday. So the, the 11 we've been playing for most of the season, essentially without uh, El Nenny or um, without El Nenny, essentially. And I think Lokongo will play both matches. I think he'll have to because uh, we don't really have another option in there. So I think we'll give Zinchenko a little bit of a rest um, because he didn't feature against Fulham. He was reportedly close to featuring against Fulham, but I think giving him a, a little bit of extra rest will be good. I would personally start Tierney. And personally, I would also start Tomiyasu on the other wing. So making it Tierney, Tomiyasu, uh, Gabriel Saliba. And then Lakonga, lone pivot. And I think I would start Smithrow at the left eight and Odegaard uh, alongside where he's been playing usually. And then Martinelli, Jesus, and Vieira. That's what I would do. Um, what I think is going to happen, I think we're going to see Xhaka and Saka. And I think there's not going to be much rotation. I think what we may see is if we're up 2-0, Saka comes off, Vieira comes on, Xhaka comes off, Smithrow comes on. Martinelli comes off. Maybe we see Marquinhos. Um, but that all depends on us winning the match, essentially, or, or being up in the match going into the second half. I don't think we're going to see much rotation. Um, I think there should be 
because going to Old Trafford on Sunday is going to require our absolutely best 11. Um, even if United are, are in shambles right now, going to Old Trafford, Arsenal, Man United, it's the one of the biggest fixtures in English football, and it's away from home. So it, it's going to require our very best. Agreed. But I, I, I don't think we're going to see much rotation tomorrow. If we do, I'll be happy. I really want to see Smith Rowe and Vieira get starts, especially those two. I can agree to that. I, I would love to see the similar back line of Tomiyasu, Tierney, Gabriel Saliba, the line we thought we would start with this season. I don't think we thought Ben White would start at right back. I don't think we thought Zinchenko would start at left back the entire season. We kind of predicted it'd be Tierney, Tomiyasu, Gabriel Saliba, because they looked Tomiyasu before his injury. Fantastic. Tierney before injury. Fantastic. We kind of predicted that. So I'd love to see that back line play. They know how to play together. They're good. So I will trust it. Um, and again, rotating Ben White and everyone else. And if say there's an issue, say there's a, a whatever it is, you bring Ben White on, you bring him on, you're good to go. You bring him on at center back, bring him on a right back and you're chilling. You're good. You're grand. Fantastic. And then left back, as you said, Tierney, give him a start. Zinchenko off the bench. If it's not working, maybe you bring Zinchenko on in the 70th minute for 20 minutes. Maybe you do that. That could work. And then midfield, I agree. It's going to be Xhaka. I don't think you're up to, I don't, if Partey's out, I don't think he takes out both midfielders. I don't think he does that. I think yeah. that's a bad idea. Um, because yes, I want to see Smith Rowe play and start, but starting him and Lokonga together just feels like a disaster waiting to happen defensively. Like I just can feel it that we've had so many problems defensively in the past that Smith Rowe and Lokonga, they're both great players, but defensively I, I do, it scares me. I, I do think, I do think Jaco will need to be there for cover. Um, so Okay, I'll change. I'll change my answer. I, well, what I'll because you because change, yeah because there's not as much defensive confidence in in Lokonga as there is in in El Neni, uh, like we saw against Fulham. El, El Neni again wasn't great, wasn't awful, held his role, did a good job in defense, kept his position, um, but the back four was really the one that did the brunt of the work. I think it'll be more difficult for Lokonga, but we'll have to see how he's improved. Because he's young. He's going to continue to improve. He's going to continue to get more comfortable. We bought him to play this, this lone pivot position. That's what we bought him for. That was the vision from last summer, that he's the profile of player to play at the lone six. So, yeah, we'll have to see. I, I think Jaco will end up getting the start. Um, if anything, we could see Martinelli rotate and Smith Rowe go out on the left. Well, that's what I'm thinking is that I think yeah. we see both Martinelli on the left, or Martinelli um, and Saka both taken out. I think we see Vieira start and we see um, Smith Rowe start. I think we have both starting. I think full Mm. rotation, go for it. Because, hey, if it's not working in the 60th, 65th minute, you can super sub Martinelli. I mean, he's a ball of energy. You just say run and he runs. That wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Yeah. And you can say to both Saka and Martinelli, hey, I'm saving you two for United. I both want you to have fresh legs. If I need you, I'll call for you, but take a break. Take a well-earned break. Y'all both deserve it. Saka's basically running ragged for three years straight. He needs a break. So him, Marnelli, sit him out. I also wouldn't be horrendously shocked if we seek Enketia's start. That sounds psychotic, 
but yeah. it would not be the most shocking thing in the world. Yeah. Um, there's also rumors, apparently, uh, Miguel Aziz was not in the U21 squad. He could be joining the first team for the match. I'm intrigued by that. He's mm-hmm. an interesting young midfielder. So if he plays off, say, like late in the match, if so you sub off Shaka and bring him on, okay, cool. Not mad at that either. There's a lot that could happen, but Arjun, we need to predict the match. That's what this comes down to is predictions. What are you thinking for the match prediction for this match? What are you going scoreline-wise? I'm going to say 3-1 Arsenal. Um, I think we – I don't think we come from behind. I think we'll score first, and then Villa will get a consolation late. I think that's what's going to happen. I'm thinking the similar thing, but I'm going 2-1. I think we win. Villa get an 87th minute goal from Buendia or Bailey or somebody. Um, but I think we win, we win 2-1. It's a convincing victory. Um, it's one that we knew was going to happen. It's just maybe we have 20 chances, but only two go in is where I'm thinking. I think it's going to be a lot of chances, not a lot of conversion, but enough conversion to win the match uh, and take us into Old Trafford going five for five, which is not something I thought I would say at this point in the season, quite honestly. I think we'd yeah. at some point. We haven't, knock on wood. Honestly, like the first five games when you looked at them, I realistically thought we could get 15 points from the first five games. I didn't, didn't think, think we would. <laughs> I didn't think we would, but it, I mean, we still haven't yet. We still have a game to play tomorrow. Um, but I mean, for, for us to be the only club in the Premier League to have not dropped any points yet, I think that's a really, really good sign for things to come. I don't think uh, us losing some midfielders is, is cause for panic quite yet. Um, I think if we don't bring a midfielder in, it could cause some issues because obviously we have Jaka that could probably drop back. We could revert back to the double pivot. Um, but I think um, it's not the end of the world if we don't sign a midfielder, but I will definitely, we will have more injuries and it's not like things are falling apart. I've seen a lot of overreaction from these two injuries that things have been falling apart right when they're going well. Things are still going well. We're still deeper than we have been in a long time. It's just two holes to plug. But ne- again, next window, there will be another hole to plug. Window after that, there'll be some holes to plug, right? Agreed. So it's 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 not going to be perfect all the time. So and I, think we're in a, I think we're in a good spot, but we would be in a much better spot if we made two signings tomorrow, a midfielder and a winger. That's very fair, but there is one more signing we could make that isn't actually a signing, and it was rumored today, as a matter of fact, as Bukayo Saka was asked about uh, Arteta's optimistic words on a new contract. Uh, this being reported by the King Fabrizio Romano. Um, Saka's quote is, is stated as, I share his confidence in our new contract. Uh, I really feel at home at Arsenal. I feel the love for my teammates from the coaches and from the fans. The manager is always there for me. Yes. Sign him to a long-term deal. Sign Martinelli to a long-term deal. Shore up the team. Sign Saliba to a long-term deal. Give him the keys to the castle. Like, yep. total. give him the keys to Highbury and to the Emirates. Like, that's, go for it, please. Like, keep him. Because exactly. if we don't keep him, I honestly, I don't want to see him in another team's uniform. I don't. I don't want to see it. I would be gutted. And I think, I think with this Arsenal core, it's going to be hard to see any of them in another, in another uniform. 
Um, because I think this is really the first time in a long time that I felt very good, very attached to the entire core of the team, pretty much everybody. So things are good. Things are really good. Mm -hmm. They're good. They're all good here. And they'll be even better following our victory against Villa and heading into our soon to be victory against United. But Arjun, that'll do it for episode 66 of the going, going Gooner podcast. You can find us on Twitter at GG Gooner pod. We will have all of our transfer news broken down there. Our match will be broken down there as to how the score comes in. Plus other fun things that may come up. If United spent 190 million euros, uh, buying who knows who from Turkey, like we'll break it down right here on the going, going leader podcast and on our Twitter and our June, we're back in a few days with our episode previewing our United match along with some transfer news for Arsenal. Lots going on transfer specials coming. So is the NFL season with Saints episodes coming back as well. It's a lot happening in the next few weeks, a lot of content. So make sure to stick around here on the going, 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 going podcast. I can't speak today to hear all of that and more.